So this is episode 93 of Not Your Father's Faith. We're closing in on 100, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, almost there. Yep. Pastor Jeff and Scott and our good buddy Dave Stradling, who was in to uh, give the, the, the message a couple of weeks ago here at Freedom Life Center. And um, before we get to your book, uh, of which we, we sold out everything that you brought. Yeah. So that, that's, a nice. good, that's a good sign. But I thought, I thought it'd be interesting. I think a lot of us think we have a book in us, Dave. So before we get to what, what your book is about, can you tell us when, did you, when, when, when were you drawn to the idea of writing a book? Kind of walk us through the process, again, with, with kind of the every man in mind. Who, who I think we all think, oh, well, you know, if I really put my mind to it, I could write a book too. Yeah. So, so sure. kind of walk us through th- that process, and then we'll talk about what the book is about. Yeah. So I started writing, I guess, more seriously. Oh, man, at this point, it's probably been about five or six years. And I was having lunch with one of my good friends. We were just talking. I was sharing with him some of the things that I was learning, kind of what I was going through. And he just challenged me right there on the spot. It's like, hey, you should start writing this stuff down. And I had never really thought much about it before. And I said, well, you know, what should I do? How should I write? What should I write about? He said, oh, none of that matters. Just go back, sit at your desk, and just start writing whatever comes to mind. He's like, we can worry about outlining and formulating things and putting it together. We can worry about that later. Just start writing. So that's what I did about six years ago. Uh, The next morning, I woke up, went to my desk, and I just started writing. And I sent over to him what I was working on. He's like, oh, that's good. Okay, write again tomorrow. And that's kind of how I got into more formal writing, I guess you could say, where I had a structured time where I said, okay, every morning for you know this amount of time or for a little while, I actually gave myself a certain number of words that I would write per day. I said, I'm going to write 500 words a day, 300 words a day, you know, whatever it is. And once I hit that mark, I would basically stop. I forget which author it is. It's a very Hemingway, I think it was, uh, where he would write, I think it was 500 or 1,000 words a day, and no matter where he was, even if it was the middle of a sentence, he would stop, and then he would pick it back up again the next day because he wanted to actually be in the middle of a thought because then it was easier for him to get back into writing Mm. the next day instead of having to start all over again to get it rolling again. So that's what I did. Uh, I just started writing on a regular basis. And then from there, I began having, a, I guess, a larger idea, you could say, of, of what I wanted to do, how I wanted to break things up. And then I started organizing things from there and then just writing the different chapters and sections of the book. So are there several books that could come out of that exercise? And this just happens to be the first one. Oh yeah, this is. I had a I had a book launch here in New York last week, and the person who was doing the Q and A with me, he was actually asking me why I chose to release this one when I had already written another one that I had been talking about with a few other people before. Uh, so I actually have another book that is set to come out probably late April or early May. But it all started with the process of writing, correct? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of flowed from there. That's interesting, Dave. I, I my my son, uh, my youngest son Brock, is a uh, performer, plays guitar and sings, but he has has written some songs. And I said, Brock, what you need to do is you need to devote, you know, a, a certain time every single day. I was thinking day. the same thing for that the songwriting yeah. process. Yeah, I yeah. told him. I mm-hmm. said, sit down and just and just start writing out 
lyrics. They don't have to all go together or whatever. Just lyrics of stuff that, you sure. know, that hits you or whatever, you know. Start writing them in a journal. Doodle, I, I doodle. Said, I said, even if it's just, uh, even if it's pictures. Right. Like, yep. he's, he's an artist, too. Like, draw draw a picture of what you're thinking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the lyrics will come. I said, just, but you you have to engage, and this is what you did, obviously, and this is what I'm, I'm, I'm tagging along with what you said. You have to engage in the creative process. You know, you can't sure. just, you know, I'm sure there are some people that, you know, I've heard of people at least that, you know, wake up in the middle of the night with a whole song, boom, and they just write it, write it down, you right, know, right. or a book or whatever. But uh, I think for most people, it's just, it's that, that you know, engaging in that creative process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be- yeah, and it's a discipline. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Scott. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, it, there's definitely a discipline component to it because I forced myself to sit there and as I was writing this book, the other book, I said, you know, every morning at this time, I'm going to write it. And there's plenty of other things that, you know, need my attention, other things that can be done. But for that amount of time, I said, I'm here and I'm going to work on it. And yeah, I just, and I, I like the idea about the, the journal too, because I also carry a journal with me. So if I do get, a, uh, you know, some inspiration hits me at certain part, points of the day, and I don't have time to go to my computer and write a whole couple of paragraphs or sentences. I carry a journal with me, and then I can refer back to that journal during that discipline time in which I actually am doing the writing part. So I do a little bit of both, and they've both been extremely helpful. Now, are you are you writing this down long form? Are you are is this all on a computer? Is it in your phone? How, what what about that? The actual writing it down. You're talking about notes during throughout the day. No, no, uh, this 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 discipline of writing every day. Are you in oh, front of a computer? Be, sure, yeah, that's at a computer. I worked for a who, who turned into one of the most predominant, one of the most successful program directors of radio stations. Uh, worked for him about forty years ago, and this is pre you know computers or any of that, any devices, and he used to write notes. And, and put him in his wallet, and his wallet was about four inches <laughs> thick. It was unbelievable, and it really distorted the, his his body, yeah. uh, you oh. know, shape because he had this incredibly huge wallet wow. with all of his ideas. He would just jot them down, shove them in this wallet. So that's kind of old school, you know. Back uh, when I was with Wycliffe, when when the uh, translators first started, you know, out in the field, they would carry. They had a, a, a literal shoebox. And in the shoebox would be three by five cards that fit in a shoebox. And they would learn words and write, the, you know, they're translating the Bible. Of course, they would learn words in the, in the, in the language that they're, uh, people they're living with. They'd write it down, write down, write it down phonetically. And so, because a lot of times the language weren't even written. So they'd write it down phonetically. And then later on, they'd have to come up with the phonology and all that. Anyways, the point, the point of that is, is that on the, you know, the, when computers finally came, the the computer program that's used in translation is called what? Shoebox. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's the name that's of the awesome. that's the name of the program. So it's pretty cool. I hear it had it had all of that oh, had, a lot of, had a lot of soul, I, had a I lot of soul. Had a lot of soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Yeah. I, I have to put up with this all the time. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what the crowd thinks of that? Oh. Uh, all right. He's learning what all these buttons do now, Scott. <laughs> Scott's learning. 
So, uh, Dave, so how did how did that process, that discipline of writing, lead you to write a a, a book about Advent? How did how do you kind of go from from that to that becoming the focus of of one of your projects? Sure. So the end of last year, just about a year ago, end of November, I had pretty much just wrapped up uh, one book, and I was waiting, trying to send it out, trying to work with uh, some editors, agents, and and trying to just keep that book moving along. But I didn't want to stop writing because I had finished one project. I was ready for another one. And it just, the whole idea came to me, why don't I, I started a newsletter a couple months earlier, and I had this idea, what if I were to write something very simple every single day in December? Because I've been giving Christmas sermons for, I mean, you know, 10 years at this point. And in my archives, I have tons and tons of material, and it's material that only my church really had heard. But I didn't, I, I didn't just want the church to hear these messages and the ideas that I had about Christmas and about Advent, because I love these ideas, and I wanted to have a broader audience. I wanted to share it with more people. So what I did is I decided to print out every single, I had all my notes from all my Christmas sermons. I printed every single sermon I've ever given on Christmas out one day. And then I just began moving the papers around, organizing them and dividing them up into different ideas. The name of the book is 25 Invitations of Christmas. And so I came up with a way that I could turn every single sermon that I had given, or at least the ones that I like, because of course, you know, you always have a handful that you're like, eh, I wish I never gave that one. But the ones, the ideas that I really enjoyed, I found a way to turn them into a particular invitation. So there's an invitation to be silent for a day. There's an invitation to, um, to journal the things that you are grateful for each day, or an invitation to look for signs of hope around you. 25 different invitations, and I just said last year, I'm going to write as a discipline every single day one of these ideas that I have given in a previous sermon. Then at the end of December of last year, I, I had my book. I had to write a couple more days uh, to fill it up to 25. I did some editing, but that's basically how the whole process came about. I was just in a, in a low point and said, uh, hey, I want to keep working on something. Kind of back to the process. Is there is there an editor in in this typically in this process, or or a, a, a publisher? Or who who are the other people that you, you need to deal with that that maybe are very resourceful in giving you advice or or suggesting you move this to to there? Or w- w- is that part of the process too? Yeah, sure. So the first editor was my wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Every single day last year in December, I would print out what I had been working on. I normally would work on it in the morning. I'd print it out. We'd go over it over lunch. I would just have her read it just to take a look at it, give me some feedback, her thoughts on it, uh, if I was making sense. And then I would go back, and I would kind of rework it from there. And then after I had written all 25, I, uh, I hired an editor, and she ended up taking a look at everything for me. And if anything needed to be moved around, she was the one who would move certain things around or at least make those suggestions. It was obviously up to me to decide if I wanted to follow through with those or not. But she was really the one who looked over everything and grammar, punctuate, you know, punctuation, mm-hmm. everything about it. She was the one who went through it and uh, really helped me take what I had and 
I guess, move it closer to perfection. <laughs> I like that. That's suggesting that you, you started with perfection and, and now you're looking for A, a plus perfection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, you know what? You can always work on things. You know, that's it. You got to just hit a point where I like uh, Seth Godin. I, he says, you just need to ship it. Because otherwise, you could sit any creative work. You can sit with it. You could tinker with it. Keep editing it, and never feel like it's ready to go. But there comes a point when you just need to ship it. You need to get it out there, and you need to move on to the next project. What What do you hope to accomplish with this? Is this Is this about you, at at the core of it? Is this Is this uh, good for your health? Um, what do you hope to accomplish? I mean, you, you referenced, you know, a broader audience, you know, by publishing a book. But uh, what's at the core of, of this for you? What's the value? Yeah, I've, I really grown. I've grown to love Advent, the season of it. I never celebrated it when I was younger. But I have been very intentional about celebrating Advent and trying to adhere to its values now for, I don't know, 15 years or so. And at the core of Advent are these qualities of life, I'll call them, peace, hope, love, and joy. So to me, I'm very intentional about focusing on peace, hope, love, and joy every single Advent season. It's the end of a year, and we all know a year can sometimes, it can turn our lives upside down. So when you come to the end of a year... I think we're all looking for more of those qualities. We're all looking for more peace, hope, love, and joy. I mean, no one, if you're to ask everyone, they're all going to tell you, yeah, of course I could use more of those qualities in my life. So my hope is that going through this devotional, going through each of these days, stepping into these invitations, that at the end of this journey, each person who goes through this book will have experienced greater peace, hope, love, and joy in their lives. And I think taking a step back from there, you have these birth stories of Jesus that we have been talking about for 2,000 years. I mean, this is a story that took place 2,000 years ago. And I think what happens is when we become really familiar with a story, such as this one, because we look at it every single year, you know, we know what the Christmas plays look like. We know about the angel and Joseph and Mary. We become so familiar with it that it actually becomes unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. And we familiarize ourselves with the story. It, it's almost as if it begins to lose its power of transformation. So I think along with those qualities and, and gaining more of those, I also want to offer some different perspectives on the birth story of Jesus and show how this is still a story that is alive in our world today and can still produce the things that it had promised 2,000 years ago. Jeff, as, as a pastor, how have you incorporated, or have you incorporated Advent into this this upcoming season? How how have you viewed it? Yeah, I mean, it's something I I, I don't focus on. Uh, you know, the Advent season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I like every other pastor. You know, it comes to any any you know whether it's Christmas or Easter. You know, here it is again. You know, what I mean, like, <laughs> how many times can you tell the story of David and Goliath? You know, David always beats Goliath. You know, right, I mean, right. how many times can you tell that story? And so we we struggle. Uh, I struggle is not the maybe struggle is a good word. And it's not a bad word. But every Christmas season to come up with a creative way of of um, you know engaging with this 
so like Dave put it this such a familiar story that it just becomes like nothing anymore you know and so that is a challenge but I, I have never focused on this idea of, of Advent I, I like Dave didn't grow up with that uh, I don't know why it just it's not a not something that I've ever done and so to me it's not I mean I like the idea but I just don't uh, I just, I've never focused on that before ever uh, yeah is is this a, is an Advent calendar a newer because you know I grew up uh, in Episcopal churches and uh, certainly aware of Advent and the season and what it means, but never had a calendar. Never, yeah, I never did never, either. Yeah, is is that uh, explain and explain that because the, the book starts with you talking about your your two children and how yeah. what what kind of you know age appropriate uh, Advent calendars they enjoyed last season. Yep, yep. Yeah, I think there's a huge element of that in the book because I forget when we first bought our son an advent calendar, but every single, it's been at least three, four years for him, and every single day he wakes up, I mean, it's ridiculous how early he's woken up because he wants to tear into that thing. It's always a Lego calendar for him. He loves Legos, a little toy that he gets every day. Uh, I think he actually had a Hot Wheels one a few years back. And seeing his excitement to open up the advent calendar and now Kit, you know, his sister, she's gotten into her own advent calendars as well. Seeing their excitement definitely was something that inspired this book because I want it to be something that people are excited to open every single day. I mean, of course, you could sit through the book and you could do you could sit there and you could read through the book in one sitting. Yes, you could definitely do it that way think the beauty of this book is that there are 25 really short chapters. I wanted to make it really short so that uh, if you didn't have a lot of time, it's okay. You could still engage with the reading for the day. And as I've seen the excitement in my kids when they wake up in the morning, my hope is that people would be excited to dive into this, to read the small little gift that this book can offer each day and then there's like a journal entry. There's a question to, to journal every single day. Uh, and, and so to me, the idea of an advent calendar, something that you do every single day, played a huge role in how I structured the book. I like that, Dave. Somebody in church this past Sunday said uh, they got the book and they're halfway through it already. And I said, well, okay, I'm glad you got the book and that's, that's good, but that's not the point. I said, the, <laughs> well, I said the, point, the point was that we would do this together as a church, and we would go on December 1st, and we would spend that day, or at least maybe not the whole day, but some some part of that day reflecting on what we read together as a church. We're, we're, so the whole church, all of us on that December 1st, we're all at the same time in different places, all spread all across the city, you know, reflecting on this one thing. I thought that would be cool to do, and uh, yeah. but maybe I didn't make that real well, clear. Well, I'm, I'm uh, I must admit, and I'm terribly embarrassed, Dave. I uh, I read the final chapter, so I know how the story ends. I feel feel horrible. I was, I couldn't wait. Oh, I couldn't wait. Ending. Yeah, yeah. I won't share it though. I'll, I'll hold it back. From, uh, uh, you know what? I, I did a couple of readings, actually, uh, the other day at the book launch, and I did read from the 24th day. Uh, so I partially blew the ending for everyone. Not <laughs> as far, maybe, as, as you went, but I, I did land on day 24 for a bit. So I have to tell you, I, I bought your book when you were here a couple of Sundays ago, and I took it home and put it in the bookshelf, um, and 
that uh, that was Sunday, and later that day, my whole family came over for uh, a birthday celebration. I had a birthday on Friday, and we we got everybody together on Sunday. <clears throat> this is where you got you both say happy birthday, Scott. Yes, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Happy birthday. Yeah. Buddy. Uh, so anyway, I had uh, I have a, a Christmas beer that I love called uh, Sierra Nevada. It's called Celebration, and it's it's just completely that. non-alcoholic. Exactly. And I had set it <laughs> on a shelf right next to um, your book, which I had, had just brought in. But early, you set it on a shelf day. away, so no one would right. Well. So anyway, my seven-year-old grandson was doing something that I do, though mine was alcoholic, his was not, obviously. But he he find he found a nook in the uh. bookshelf to to place his drink so that he would remember where it is. Okay. I do that as well because I always lose whatever I'm drinking. I like, where did I put it? Where did I put it? So anyway, I had put my beer right next to to the book. And he went to grab for his, which was like a shelf, up, up, uh, shelf above, yeah. and he knocked my beer over. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I just brought the book home, and it's beer stained already. But it didn't, no beer on it. I just want you to, it wouldn't have, it actually, it may have be, become more precious to me had it, to, you know, had the little, the smell of celebration <laughs> beer. But anyway, uh, yeah, we saved, we saved the book, Dave. Nice. All right. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Dave, I'm excited about our church doing it together. You know what I mean? Going through that. I know, you know, I know what it's like putting these sermons together. You know what I mean? I've been doing it now for 15 years. You know, 15 Christmases coming up with, uh, you know, these, these uh, you know, series or whatever. Right. I've done all kinds of things, man. I've, uh, you know, you try to get as creative as you can. I just went on the Grinch one time. <laughs> you know, I remember that one. But anyways, I'm looking forward to for us to do this as a church together. I think it'd be fun. So how, how do we get the book? Well, the book is on Amazon, so you can definitely pick it up on Amazon. There's an ebook version as well, which, uh, I mean, I prefer the paperback because there's journal space in it, but for the people who need the ebook, it's uh, on there. Uh, but Dave Stradling, 25 Invitations of Christmas, and you can pick it up on Amazon. All right. Awesome. All right, that's how we'll end it, and we can't wait to get started in, in uh, church with it. Nice. And then uh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to find out. I know this is down the line, but not that far down the line about the next book. Yep, coming up soon. Can you can, can you tease it without giving it away? Yeah, I mean this one is a bit more of a memoir than what the uh, devotional is. So this one will be a, little, a bit more personal than the uh, devotional. All right, twenty-five invitations of Christmas and Advent devotional with Dave Stradling, our friend from. Now you're in, is it Westchester County? I get confused by, you know, exactly. How are you best identified where you are in? in White Plains? White Plains. Sure. Yeah, so White Plains is one of the major cities in, I mean, it is the major city in Westchester, uh, but Westchester is the county in which I live. Gotcha. All right. Grab the book today. (laughs) All right, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Hey, have a great Thanksgiving, by the way, and we'll, we'll look forward to talking to you real soon. Yeah, you guys as well. Yeah, enjoy it. All right, love you, brother. Take care. See you, Dave. I love you guys. Later. All right, okay. bye. Not bye. Your, not your father's face. <laughs>